Debating Metalheads. I am Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and my co-host is Chris Kay. Welcome to another episode of Debating Metal. On this episode, we bring you another installment of something we started last week. This week, we're bringing you our Iron Maiden favorites. Being that Iron Maiden is a favorite band for both of us, in addition to their extensive and prolific discography, they seem like the perfect choice for our second favorites episode. We're going to each pick a song to discuss from every studio album from their self-titled debut all the way to last year's Sunjutsu. With 17 albums under their belt, Iron Maiden have plenty of songs to choose from, and it was quite the task to pick one song from each album to consider a favorite. But Chris and I were up to that task, and speaking of being up to the task, this week's Big Four is also unusual. Since we've done several Iron Maiden-themed shows, we had to get creative for the Big Four. In the end, we came up with the Big Four, Iron Maiden songs with no songwriting involvement from Steve Harris. Whew, that's quite the title. All right, Chris, Iron Maiden favorites. Um, we're doing this again. Last week we did ACDC. This week we're doing Iron Maiden. 17 songs. I think we can I think we can do it. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought last time was a, a lot of fun. You know, uh, ACDC is, is definitely up there in my favorites category. And just talking about the songs that really mean something to us, I think is really... Uh, like a lot of fun to do. I, I think so because, you know, it's just, this is just the kind of conversations that we have in general. Yeah, you know, you start talking about Iron Maiden. Oh, they were great. Did this, you know, and I, I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs. And, and it's basically an extension of a, just a normal conversation that you and I or any other pair of metalheads or group of metalheads will have about, you know, bands like Iron Maiden. Absolutely. All right. So, I've- oh, so what were you going to say? I was going to say, well, I believe I started last time, so I'm, I, I want to concede and, and give you the start on this one. Okay, sounds good. Um, so basically the way it's going to work is that I'm going to start and I'm going to pick my f- uh, favorite song off the first album, then you're going to pick your favorite song off the first album, and then you will pick your favorite song off the second album, and then it'll be my turn, and we'll just basically trade off back and forth and basically serpentine all the way down to all 17 albums. All right, so the first album, Iron Maiden, released in 1980. Uh, wow, 42 years ago. Um, I'm going to put it this way. I'm just going to go straight out and say it. Phantom of the Opera, to me, is my favorite song on that album. Um, it's one of Maiden's earliest progressive tracks. Um, and over the years, it wasn't always my favorite. You know, I, I you know, I really like Iron Maiden. I like Sanctuary. Um, Remember Tomorrow is a really good song. Prowler. But for whatever reason, man, when I would get that to the end and I would listen to, to Phantom of the Opera. It, it just, over the years, it just kept, kept getting more and more popular for me. I kept playing it over and over again. So I, that's the song I choose. That's my favorite song from the first album. I really honestly could have picked the same thing i there was about three songs on here that i i would have picked but i I really thought about it and for me it is prowler um prowler is just that song that i think of from the first album the opening riff is is kind of punkish you know um but also sets the stage of of it's something different than the stuff that came before it um and i don't mean from iron maiden i mean from other bands uh it's it's kind of a a, um, a blast in the face, like which what what should be the first track on an album. So I just 
I really like that that track. I think it it always stood out to me. And there's something about that that like that kind of um, I, I what's the best way to put it? Like the the riff at the beginning, how it's not whining, but it's kind of like screeching. I guess to a yeah, degree. I, 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 see, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I I just love that opening. So that's for me. Prowler's the one that that stuck out. Although, yeah, I agree with you. Like, Phantom is is just such a great song, and it being progressive in that time um, really foreshadowed a direction they would go later. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so what do you got for your favorite song off the second album? Uh, so my favorite off of of uh, Killers would be Wrathchild. Um, I just that that song's just so iconic. It's heavy for the time period, and it's just one that really sticks out to me on that album. Um, you know, it's kind of technically the first track of the album, uh, being that Ides of March is an instrumental. Um, and I love some of the other stuff that comes, like, I love Genghis Khan, which is, you know, an instrumental in itself. Uh, Murders, in, uh, Murders in the Room Org, um, Killers, but for me something about Wrathchild really stands out and i love also um later on the way that that bruce would sing Wrathchild as well so it's just that's it for me i get that and and i really i i i, I really dug deep on this one because when i first got into iron maiden one of the things that uh, attracted me to iron maiden and it was it really came because of this album, Wrathchild had that intro bass line, right? But so did Killers. Killers had their own kind of bass line, you know, just keep you kept that rhythm going. And it was all bass line. You could tell that Steve Harris was the songwriter. He was the bassist, so he was writing songs based around his bass line, based around his bass line. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so. Um, he had they had songs like that on almost every album and when you didn't hear that it was almost kind of like a disappointment you know <clears throat> and it it wasn't like like they didn't do it on somewhere in time they didn't do it on on um uh power slave right but when they did it on seventh uh yeah on seventh sun did i say yeah they didn't do it on somewhere in time they didn't do it on power slave but they did it on seventh sun and that was pretty cool because uh, the clairvoyant had that typical kind of bass line. And that was really, you know, I was like, that. that's one of those songs that reminds me of the old Iron Maiden at that time. Yeah, I get that. So the, my point being is that I it was between Wrathchild and Killers for me. And Wrathchild, I've heard a million times and, you know, maybe I've heard half a million times Killers and stuff like that. And, and just something about Killers that I really like. So that is my favorite song off of killers the title track killers all right I mean, it's a good choice i mean killers has that really cool riff and in, in the uh i i don't know what to, to to call the section um i guess i guess it's kind of like the before the main chorus where it's just he's going they're kind of like exploring the 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 scale just kind of going up and down and i and i it's like doing arpeggios and i, I just freaking love that section so that's a good choice too. Oh yeah, I mean, there, there's a harmony break that's right before the bridge that, that kind of leads into the solos and stuff like that. And that harmony when they're just the two when mm-hmm. it's basically Adrian and Dave playing, it's so cool. I mean, there's, yeah, there's that's so- 
that's more what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That, the, before the there's, bridge. Yeah. There's so much to like about that song. Yeah. Killers. It's a killer track. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing the right. puns tonight. Yeah. I'm, it's just I'm so punny tonight. <laughs> All right. So that's going to bring us to the number of the beast. And um, for me, it's it's there's no question about what my favorite song is. It's Hallowed Be Thy Name. Uh, it's the last track on the album. It's the epic track of the album. Um, you know, the story of a man taking his final walk up to the gallows. It's just, you know, so there's, there's the controversy that was behind the song that Steve Harris lifted the lyrics from another song from another band in the seventies. And you know what? I've listened to that song and absolutely he stole the lyrics. We're not going to question that he paid a certain amount of money to the, to the, to the writers that that's it, but it's not the same song. It is not even remotely close to the same song. The lyrics are, are completely uh, associated with a different type of topic, but they work perfectly in this scenario. It's just it's it's great how this how it works with this this song. It's just unfortunate that when you realize what happened with it, he's like, well, why did Steve do that? You know, but oh well. I mean, stuff like that happens all the time. It there's does. there's not. That's not an excuse for it, but at the same time, like if he did everything above board afterward and he paid for it and all that, then it is what it is, you know. Right. Um, but for me, it's also Hallowed Be Their Name. Um, that is one of those tracks that just absolutely blows me away every time I hear it. You know, you can listen to a lot of songs over and again, and when you hear them, uh, you're like, man, I've heard this a thousand times. I never get that way with Hallowed Be Their Name. Um, the way that Bruce sings it, the build from the beginning, the 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 long sustained notes, the, the riff itself, everything to me is, is just outstanding. And it's not a song that gets boring. The more times you hear it, because there's always something, you know, different going on. It's not a repetitive track. It's not like, you know, they, they repeat the same chorus over and over again. It's a story being told. And I think that, that, comes to its credit and to me it's not just one of of the best songs on this album if not the best song on this album but one of iron maiden's best songs period yes i agree i agree and that's why it's my favorite song hands down of any iron maiden songs my number one favorite iron maiden song um and and i agree with you and, and and listening to it live is even better because you get that fan interaction, especially when they go into the the, the breakdown, or, or not the breakdown. It's not like the way it is today, but when they go into the <laughs> the up to the up tempo, um, you know, uh, just riffing away, you know, in the in the guitar solos and all that stuff at the end of the song. I then, I just can't even imagine Iron Maiden doing a modern breakdown. <laughs> Scream no, for I don't, me! I don't 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 don't. don't, don't. <laughs> Yeah, no. I don't want to, <laughs> but you know, and then Bruce bringing the crowd into it with you know, uh, you know, which all started in uh, Live After Death when he's like, you know, scream for me, Long Beach, and they would just you know they would come up and they go into the guitar solo again, and it's just so cool. It's so yeah. cool. You know, it's unfortunate they weren't allowed to play it on the last couple tours, but when they finally settled the lawsuit, they brought it back again for the Legacy of the Beast tour, and so they've been playing it again. So that's awesome. Very cool. All right, so what do you have for peace of mind? Um, so 
this one wasn't very hard for me to pick because it's a song that I kind of always go back to on the album. Uh, Peace of Mind is a great album, and there's so many great, great tracks. But for me, something about this, and maybe it's the fact that I'm a huge fan of Greek mythology, um, but I had to pick Flight of Icarus. Um, I love the way that song builds again. That's one of the things that I think early Iron Maiden really did well. I, and, and honestly, in the later uh, years, they've done that the same. Because, I mean, I'm going to talk about one of them that has an amazing build as well. But um, Flight of Icarus just has this this um, epicness. This, like... It, He's, he's singing out as he's singing about a character that's flying too close to the sun, you know, and, and Bruce has that way of projecting his voice too, even, even on a recording, but seeing it live also was amazing. I, 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 that's one of my favorite songs of theirs to see live. Um, and this last time we saw him, it had a really cool set with it too, with, uh, as he flew, you know, um, higher and higher closer to the sun and then the wings just uh you know dissipate as they get too close to the sun because they're made of wax and then he, he falls it's just it was amazing um but this track you know i love trooper i love uh revelations there's so many good songs on the album but man something about this one just really it gets me I think I mentioned this the last time that we spoke about Iron Maiden, or not not even just speaking about Iron Maiden, but the last time that we had references to Iron Maiden. So I know we did some during the New Wave of British Heavy Metal uh, series that we just completed a few weeks ago. Um, we talked about this album, and we talked a, a, very briefly um, about some of the songs on it. But <clears throat> Flight of Icarus, you know... One of the things that we didn't touch upon, and it, it Bruce has mentioned, you know, is that they wrote the song in in a different perspective. They wrote it from the the, the kids' perspective, from Icarus's perspective, mm-hmm. as opposed to the, the 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 father yelling at the child type of thing, you know. And so it was it was very it was it's so cool. But for me, that's not my favorite song on the album. Um, for me. My favorite song in this album, I had to do some soul searching on this one because I, I could have picked a couple different songs. And I think um, I, I, I got the one that I really, really, because to me, this album is so good. This was the first album I had that um, I got, it was, it was a new release after I had gotten into Iron Maiden. So, you know, I think Iron Maiden had already released Number of the Beast when I got into them. So this was the first one that was like that anticipation. They got a new album coming out. And it's been like that now for for 39 years of me anticipating Iron Maiden albums. <laughs> um, so I after after thinking about it, you know, I was like, you know what? This song really does it for me. And, every, and I heard it this past tour, and I hadn't heard it in a long time. Revelations, to me, is my favorite song. Um, just the whole... The, the song for me is, is just a, it's a powerful song. And there's a beauty in this song that captures my attention every time I, I hear it. Um, there's, there's that really melancholy part at the beginning with the intro lyrics, you know, and then it gives away to that really heavy as hell main riff. And, and that's just the beginning of the, the, the dichotomies that, that happen throughout the song. Cause it kind of goes melancholy, heavy, melancholy heavy and then it just like speeds out you know and then it 
comes back down and slows down to finish. I mean, it just so much going on in that song. I love it. That that's hands down it for me on that one. It's a good choice. Like I said, it was it was definitely one that I thought about, but for me, Plight of Icarus. <laughs> there you go. All right, so that brings us to uh, Power Slave. And for me, Power Slave. So this is an interesting one because there's a lot to like on this album, as there is on pretty much every Iron Maiden album that's been released, except maybe one. <laughs> so, um, but Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is my favorite song on this album. And I think it, it, I really truly believe it's been one of my favorite songs on this album since I first heard it. And it's a 13 minute, 45 second long song. And so I'm going to tell you a real quick story about this. And I don't know if I told you before this story or not, but on the way back from Florida one time, um, my wife was uh, taking an English lit class in her uh, uh, over at the university of, of, excuse me, at Lamar University over in Beaumont. And so she's, you know, trying to finish up her bachelor's degree and she's got to take this class that she didn't think she needed, but they just told her, oh no, you have to finish this one, otherwise you can't graduate. So anyway, um, the, the the task was to read the poem, Rhyme on Ancient Mariner, from Samuel Taylor Coleridge. So we're driving back and I said, can you do me a favor? Can you read this out loud? Because I'm fascinated by this story. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, read it out loud. I mean, I've read it before, one time, a long time ago. I said, but I want to hear it. Hear it again. I haven't heard it in a long time. <laughs> so she read me the story while we were driving. We had nothing better to do, you know, 10-hour drive from Florida at, from where we were at. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so she read it to me. You know, and, and then, of course, then I start the parts that, are in the song that are from the, the poem itself that, that Steve put into the song. I, re- I read out loud with her. I, I, I didn't read it, but I was going along with her. And it was, it was kind of funny. She's looking at me all weird and she like, how do you know this? <laughs> it's in the <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> so anyway, that's my story. I don't know. I'm just obsessed with this book. Um, <laughs> it's a really long poem. It's a, Yeah. Uh, epic poem, right? So yes. Um, so I I really thought about that one as well. Um, but you know I have to go back to what I think of initially, and that was that was part of what I did was like when I think of the album, what songs do I associate with it? And uh, I mean I, maybe this is an easy choice, but I went with Ace is High. Um, there's there's just something about the song where you're put in the 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 role of a a pilot you know fighting in war and and it just it exemplifies it so well you know they even start the the a lot of concerts with that song um with the giant plane hovering overhead and it's it's such a cool thing to see but you know it's just one that has so much energy to it and i love the harmony vocals too there it it's a song that's really synonymous with Iron Maiden for me. So not just with the album, but, you know, I would say top 10 tracks for me too. So I got to pick Ace High. You know, I, that was definitely one of the songs I wanted to, I was thinking about, you know, Two Minutes to Midnight was the other one. Yeah, Cause that was the lead single off the album, off the, yeah, off the album back in, back in 84. And so I remember seeing that video a lot. That was the know, first and, and Iron Maiden video I ever saw. Was two minutes to midnight. Cool, 
cool. That's a very good video. And, you know, it, it was one of these things was playing on MTV a bunch. I mean, I remember when it premiered. And so they got a lot of airplay, you know, and it, there was no Headbangers Ball when it came out. They were literally just playing it straight up on rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then me as as a record buyer at that time, I, I really got into buying records and singles and stuff like that. And I went out and I looked for Power Slave and there was this single that was probably like eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine, a 12 inch single from England for two minutes to midnight. I bought it and then a few weeks months maybe later out came aces high and you know they had some cool b-sides because that was the thing too you know with with the, they established different b-sides that they were going to do covers on the b-sides um, they pretty much established it with the trooper but they had done some others you know with the first two albums but they weren't necessarily all covers all the time there were some live tracks yeah. but, you know with the trooper they established that they did covers and then they came out with um uh with the two minutes to midnight they did some more covers and then aces high they did a couple more covers on there and it was so cool to, to get that and, and just all the different eddies that you get all the different drawings and stuff so yeah that was a pretty cool experience awesome all right, so you got uh, somewhere in time. What do you got for that? For your favorite song from there? Uh, so this one was really easy for me. It's to me the standout track on "Somewhere in Time" is "Wasted Years." Uh, this one was an Adrian Smith song, and I've always kind of been partial to his songwriting. Um, there, there's something just so awesome about this track i love this album it's one of my favorites i i kind of flip-flop between uh, number of the beast and this one being my favorite album i know a lot of people feel differently there's there's you know stands and then there's there's people that hate this album um but i i just love the guitar work here and and i know bruce kind of took a step back but it also gave um adrian a chance to kind of stand out on his own too which i think he didn't spades uh, wasted years is one of those that that uh is always on my playlist and i think uh youtube music which i've been using lately um kind of knows that because it'll throw it into playlists that don't make sense um but that's fine because it's wasted years you know this album when i first heard it was a disappointment to me because of the the sound you know, you go from this, these killer three albums in a row, Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, that have this amazing sound. And, and Power Slave to me was like the ultimate of the Iron Maiden sound at the time. It was really, you know, between that Peace of Mind, it was just like really, really crisp. And then this album came out and it was, to me, it was one of those situations where, oh man, this is overproduced, you know, it's too slick. And then they got these you know, this electronic guitars, and I'm like, oh, you know, no, this wasn't doing it for me. But Wasted Years was a good song. Regardless of, of production and stuff like that, the song is excellent. And I, I I have to agree with you, is it being my favorite song on this album? I mean, I could have picked Caught Somewhere in Time, which I think is a really, really cool song. But for the rest of it, to me, you know, there's not a lot that really kind of grabs me. Um I know you're a big fan of the loneliness of the long distance runner. I am, <laughs> um, but but that's to that for me it 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 it's like being on a long running journey. It just keeps going <laughs> very forward. But uh, 
I, I really like Wasted Years. I think it's a it's an excellent song. There's there's a lot about that song I really, really like. And I, I have to say this real quick. One of my latest memories of this song was when you and I were coming out of the Scorpions concert and we're on our way back from downtown Houston and we're listening to music in your car and then the, that song came on, Wasted Years. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so funny because we were listening to different songs back and forth and doing, you know, whatever, singing it and stuff like that. But the Iron Maiden song came out and we both started singing it, um, you know, air guitaring, air drumming, whatever <laughs> it was. And it just, it made me think how much... You and I really, really love Iron Maiden and how much their music means to us and how much their music has kind of just brought so many people together. And that's, you know, especially over the last, obviously the last 42 years that they've been in existence, you know, as a mainstream act, it, it's Maiden just is one of those things, you know, that I look upon and it's just like, like little hearts in my eyes. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I love, you know, them and Metallica to me are the two things that I could really just, I could never get tired of, you I know? So, yeah. and, and wasted you just that whole, the, and then the, the song itself is kind of one of those things that just kind of makes you think like that, you know? So wasted years for me on this one. All right. All right. Um, that brings us to seventh son of a seventh son. Now there's that was now coming off of somewhere in time and then hearing more keyboard oriented guitar sounds, I was already kind of um, numb to it, I guess you could say. So it didn't, it didn't. I didn't get the same sense of disappointment. Um, but this to me was a better album overall than Seventh Son of a Seventh. I mean, excuse me, than Somewhere in Time. So. I, for me, I had a few songs to choose from. I, I thought there were some, some pretty good tracks in this album. And the one that I pick is The Evil That Men Do. It, there's, it's such a different kind of song because Bruce isn't really singing the, the main verses so much as he's almost like speaking them in a rhythmic tone. And then, you know, then comes the chorus and then he goes into typical Bruceness. You know, it, it's it's a, it's definitely a different kind of song for them, but I, I, I like it. It's my favorite on the album. It's actually mine as well. Uh, I was kind of surprised to hear that. Um, so, yeah, for me, this is one of those, those songs that because of Bruce's vocals, it's just that much better. You know, it, he he just rings out that that main chorus, um, but it you're right. Like it is a little different than the, the the other stuff that came before it. It stands out on the album, um, but that chorus is just so good. I mean, it's so fun to sing along to. Um, I, you're right. Like I I don't think it's a better album than 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 a. Uh, Sorry, I don't think it's a better album than Somewhere in Time, um, but it has pretty much from beginning to end for me, it's it's good tracks. There's not one that I just, uh, you know, skip this. It's it's the last really perfect Maiden album from that first run, or I guess second run technically, if you're if you're counting it separate from Iron Maiden and Killers, um, but it's. You know, it's a great album. I love Moonchild. Um, 
I'm trying to, geez, my mind went blank on all the other tracks on the album. Infinite Dreams, The Clairvoyant. Hold on, uh, hold on. What else is there? Yeah, that's just, Infinite. Seven, I love Moonchild, Infinite Dreams. Can I Play With Madness? I didn't even think about that one when I first was talking about this. It did come across when, when I thought about my, my favorite. But that was that was the first song that I heard off of this album. Um, and it was it easily was a contender for my favorite. But um, something about Evil That Men Do, just, it's a stronger track than Can I Play With Madness for me. The only, the only thing that, that, that kind of bugs me about Can I Play With Madness is... And it has nothing to do with the actual uh, studio track, but live, they cannot, for the life of them, reproduce the the harmony background vocals for that chorus. Oh, really? Um, I mean, you know, look, you're playing it live. I get that. Um, but you know, when you're in the studio, you you record and you try to get everybody to sound correct. If someone's off, you're gonna do it all over again. But when you go live, you got one shot. And you can't stop and say, okay, we got to do that again because we didn't hit it right. You know? So I've, I've plenty of times I've heard Adrian Smith just not in step with Bruce Dickinson in terms of hitting the right note and pitch. And I don't know if it's Bruce's fault or Adrian's is more probably Adrian's because he has a lower tone to his voice. You know, and then, so I think, um, Steve, Steve tries to, to do some background vocals with it as well. So, you know, they don't really necessarily harmonize perfectly well in concert so much as they do in the studio. That's interesting. That's I, just- I wonder why, what it is about that particular song, because like I've heard, uh, Adrian do the background vocals on, on, uh, wasted years. And I actually love the way they do it live with the, with his harmony being a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and it might be the same thing. It might be a situation like it, because I've heard it too on, on Wasted Years, and I've also noticed that it's it, Adrian stands out with his lower tone. Um, but sometimes, you know, it can, it can get pitchy. I've heard it pitchy. Sometimes I've heard it where they're, they're at the same... Uh, you know they're they're in tune, but because it's so distinctly different, because it's two voices as opposed to say three or four in the studio, mm-hmm. it it you can tell the disparity between the low range and the upper range, and it's it's stark sometimes. Gotcha. So, but it's I mean if I'm if that's all I'm going to knock on Iron Maiden, you know it's it's that's not a bad thing, but I'm not trying to knock them so much as that's just something that stands out. Yeah, to yeah, me. I get it. Um. So we talked about okay. So I did even with my man do yeah. you did even so it's your turn to do no prayer for the dying. So no prayer for the dying is possibly my least favorite maiden album. It's it's a tough call because there's another one that, that we're gonna talk about that I think is maybe worse. Um, but it doesn't mean there's not good stuff on it. But my favorite track on it is sort of a cover because it's technically a Bruce Dickinson song uh, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter it was a song for the Freddy uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack, uh, I want to say it was number 4, I can't remember which movie it was um, so I, I apologize horror fans I am a big fan of, of the Freddy franchise, but I don't remember all of the movies. It was for Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Five. The Dream Child. Oh, The Dream Child, part of the Dream Trilogy. Because um, <laughs> it started with Dream Warriors, right? Um, but 
bring your daughter to slaughters is just a lot of fun it's it has a little bit different tone than a lot of the stuff that was on there i think there was a a there was kind of a weird time for for iron maiden because adrian had left the band and yeah he has a couple songwriting credits on the album but you bring in yannick and he's a he's a great guitarist and he fits the band really well but you've you've lost some of that chemistry and you already have you know one member leaving and then within you know a couple years bruce would be out as well so we don't know how they were feeling how they were meshing and to me there's just something about no prayer for the dying where it just doesn't have that chemistry i don't feel very satisfied with a lot of the songs like holy smoke is not bad it's it's not great either um tail gunner is really good so i i could have easily picked that as well but um i don't know i just really like the energy of bring your daughter to the slaughter so i i get what you're saying about this album because this is a tough listen in some cases um you know they what what i found weird about this because like bring your daughter to the slaughter i mean some the, the titles of the song when you read them you say to yourself, are they serious or are they kidding? It's, it's a lot more tongue-in-cheek than a lot of the stuff that came before, which was more serious and like history-based, etc. This album feels goofy. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say because you get public enema number one. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, holy smoke, there's a goofiness to that song and especially the video. Hooks and You is a kind of different kind of song. Well, Hooks you know, and You they, they is, do- is part of that Charlotte of the Harlot series, right? Yeah. And it, that right. one's actually one of the better ones. But to me, it's it's the worst of those Charlotte the Harlot songs too. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, to me, 22 Acacia Avenue. Hands it, down. It, it, you go from Charlotte the Harlot, which in, in a way... When you, if you think about how the songs are laid out, Charlotte the Harlot kind of sounds or, or comes across almost as a goofy story. Charlotte the Harlot, let me see blood. You know, yeah. it's it's weird. But then you get that real dark, serious tone with 22 Acacia Avenue and, and Bruce sings it in such an angry way. You know, it, it's, it, it makes that whole story really dark. And then Hooks and You comes across, and it's, it doesn't it, it doesn't continue that darkness. Yeah, it goes back it to almost, the cheesiness of the first. Exactly, thing. it brings it back to the cheesiness. And look, Iron Maiden has always been cheesy. Yeah, and they still are. You know, and that's the great part about them because they don't take themselves so seriously. But it's funny because they are a band that when they write their music, they're writing about in most cases very serious topics. You know, and this album just went up and down in terms of, you know, you have one song called The Assassin, Mother Russia, but then you have Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. And it's just kind of like, it makes sense for a Freddy movie. And I can see why Bruce wrote it that way. Yeah. But then to bring it into the Iron Maiden fold, it, it kind of changes the, 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 the text. It changes the, the, the background of it. It no longer becomes a Freddy song. It's just, it becomes a really goofy Iron Maiden song that and actually did well for them, you know? So it's kind of odd. And I, and I agree with that assessment, but I also think in the context of that album, it doesn't feel any worse than anything else that's on the album. And that's, exactly, that's why exactly. I like it too, is because it fits on the album, but it also has more energy. And there's there's something like more 
positive about it. And maybe that's because Bruce was in his own headspace when he wrote it. Whereas the rest of the stuff still has kind of this weird tone to it to me. Right. I got you. All right. For, but for me, my song that I chose for this album as being my favorite is going to be Tail Gunner. Um, I would have laughed this- if he said hooks <laughs> 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 no, Tail, Tail Gunners is, is my song. I really like that song. Uh, it, it, it's, again, another different style of song. You know, it's, it's a lot of, you know, muted palm riffing and, and, you know, just chugging away. And then you go into the, that, that chorus, which is, again, different than the typical Iron Maiden thing. And the song, for the, for the most part, never really strays from that style throughout the whole song, you know, and, and, but at the same time, it's still got a really cool hook to it, you know. And and of course, Bruce Bruce will bring a good hook into just about anything. So I, that's he did with hooks and you. Yeah, you're not the only one that can bring the puns. So, <laughs> all right. So that brings us to Fear of the Dark, um, which is the last album with Bruce Dickinson uh, up to this point. At that uh, at that point, excuse me. Um, so Fear of the Dark uh, for me. The album itself was, I mean, for lack of a better term, a disaster. Um, although, you know, it's still relatively successful for the band. Um, but I got to go with, because there wasn't a lot to, to, to like on here, um, I'm going to go with uh, Fear of the Dark as as my favorite track in the album. I mean, it stands up way above the rest of the, the, the tracks. I mean, there's a couple good songs. Be Quick or Be Dead is a good song. From Here to Eternity, Afraid to Shoot Strangers. But they just nowhere near the quality of Fear of the Dark. I I agree. That's my favorite track on the album. Um, I, I actually like this album better than No Prayer for the Dying. Um, so uh, it's just, you know, I guess a difference in preference. But... Um, well, like, be, because... Because it has those first three songs, Be Quick, From Here to Eternity, and Afraid to Shoot Strangers, that's not bad group of songs, and then you throw Fear of the Dark. But everything, to me, everything in between, it's it's a throwaway to me. I mean, that could be like an EP and be pretty pretty big. So, yeah, it's better than that because as a whole, I think, to me, No Prayers for the Dying is not as good. But it's it's kind of weird because they're both really not that good of, of albums. Yeah, well, Fear of the Dark is, is a great song regardless like it just it it tells a really cool story um is very atmospheric and the kind of that like change between the the low singing you know the build up again like i talked about where it goes from that that lower kind of storytelling and up to the operatic chorus um i just i really love the track yeah it's it's an excellent track i mean i love the 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 story behind it it's great all right so you are gonna bring us to the x factor the x factor Oof. okay so this is so the other what one is, that what, what do you have to what do you have to say simon cowell <laughs> this is the other one that i kind of view as their worst album um and it's a little worse too because it doesn't have bruce on it and I just I'm just not a big Blaze Bailey fan. I know he's got his fans. Um, he seems like a really cool guy. Just his voice to me doesn't fit Iron Maiden. Uh, but th- there's that there's that one fan out there going, I'm not gonna listen to anything if it doesn't have Blaze on it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he only listens to the two albums. Um, yeah. That's possible, you know. It is possible. I 
it's not pro- there are it's a not few probable. out there. There has to be. There has <laughs> right? to be. Um, but for me, it's sign of the cross. Um, I went back and listened to this album, like kind of skimmed through every track on it, and sign of the cross i think stands out as probably the best from this album uh they still do it live occasionally um i think uh this last tour that we went to see um uh, they did did play it live and bruce did a really excellent rendition of it um but that being said to me the album just as a whole is pretty pretty weak and it was it was kind of hard for me to like pick one other than this track (laughs) Yeah, it was tough for me as well. Um, I could have picked Sign of the Cross, but, you know, starting off an album with a slow, epic song that's 10 minutes long, that just... It's a little weird. It, it, it's a little weird, and, you know, that's a bad sign. Of the cross? To, to Not necessarily of the cross, but it's a bad sign when that's your lead song on an album. I mean, that's just my opinion on that. I mean, it's like... I don't know. Would you want to start the album with Rhyme and the Ancient Mariner? I mean, it's a great song, but do you really want to start the album with that? You know? So it's kind of one of those similar kind of thing, you know? Although Rhyme is a much better song. Um, But for me, um, I just, I, as much as Sign of the Cross has a cool chorus, I guess, for for lack of a better chorus, um, I had to pick Man on the Edge just because it had a cool riff. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I don't know too much about this album. You know, I, Lord of the Flies is a decent song. Man on the Edge is a good song. The Sign of the Cross is a good, decent song. But they're not like these great songs. And that's why it's it's hard to pick this, you know, pick a song from this album. Um, so I, my choice was Man on the Edge. You know what's funny about Man on the Edge? To me, the way it starts sounds like it could be an eagle song or something. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I get that. But it, it's it's actually not a bad track. Like, I, and I I hate like just down talking this album as a whole because there are moments that are really good. It, you know, Steve is still the the main songwriter. He's still writing the music. So it's it's not all bad. It's just to me, it's just not as good. And that's and and Man on the Edge was written by Blaze and and Yannick. And Yannick, so, yeah. So it's again, it's not a bad song. I mean, it's not one of the songs. Like, oh, I can't hear that, you know. But it's it's not one of the songs. That I'm like, oh, I want to put on Man on the Edge because that's so cool. You know, it just doesn't do that for me. Yeah, but. That being said, you you never know how you might feel about it if Bruce did a re-recording of it. So you know that is true. That is true. You never know, but we will probably never we'll probably find out. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> so so that brings us to the second of Blaze Bailey's albums, and that's Virtual Eleven. Um, all right. So here's the thing about this one. This is even stranger. This album as a whole sucks, but man, it's got really good highlights. It does. It does have a few really good tracks on it. Right. So, you know, like when I first heard this and I put on the CD and all of a sudden Future Real came on, I'm like, they're back. You know, even though they got Blaze, they're back because it was such an Iron Maiden song. And then the Angel and the Gambler came on. I'm like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) And then 
then lightning strikes twice. I'm like, oh god, really? Now they're getting like corny with the actual music, you know, with the, the hitting the beats twice. And, and oh man, it was just like, come on, man. But then the Klansman comes, and if you listen to the Klansman, you finally figure out this is where Iron Maiden is going. This is where Iron Maiden's heading. You heard it briefly on Sign of the Cross because it was a 10-minute song, and then The Klansman. And that, to me, is my favorite song on this album. A nine-minute journey, and you know it's the song about the, 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 the Scots War with England uh, back in the days of, uh, what was his name? William uh, the Bruce. William, what was his last the name? The Bruce. William, the Bruce, yeah, William Wallace. Um, so it it is a it's a cool song and a very epic tale and it's it's a really really interesting story. I like I like the way Bruce and actually it's funny Bruce does this song so well in concert. He didn't write the song, but Bruce no you know like he didn't write anything on Iron Maiden and he didn't write anything on Killers, but he turned those songs into his own and just like he did with the Klansman, this song has become synonymous with Bruce and the band singing this song. So I love that he sings songs from from you know an era that he wasn't in the band you know so many singers get butt hurt that they weren't the singer of that that album and they won't sing the those songs and you know that's fine that's their emotional baggage whatever but it's like these songs that are awesome get just left by the wayside because the singer's ego is too big but you know what i've noticed the reason why Bruce does it, and I think we've mentioned this prior, is he wasn't the first singer. So he had to sing. Yeah, but uh, he could easily uh, still Dan- have that same attitude and be like, you know, I don't really want to sing Paul's songs anymore either because I'm Bruce Dickinson. But he's not like right. that. But he's also made like, like they. there's no way he's not going to sing Iron Maiden. There's no way he's not going to sing Wrathchild. Yeah. So, it, you know, and bottom line is, is that he is... I mean, Rob yeah, Halford I mean, sh- technically wasn't the original singer either. And, but he's the, f- the first singer on the first. I mean, he's a singer on the first he's album. The first, so he, you yes. Know, when they finally got signed to a record deal, he was their singer. So, you know, I get that. But, and, and, but those and, weren't look, his I understand songs, Rob's, the, the first album. No, they, they weren't his songs, the first few. But how many songs are played from that album? <laughs> so, <laughs> Very valid. <laughs> I, <you know. laughs> so... But, you know, Bruce, you know, like I said, he sings Ratchild, he sings Iron Maiden, he sings Sanctuary. I mean, Steve is basically going to say, look, you either sing it or you're out of the band, mm-hmm. you know, and he has no qualms with firing people, as you, as we all know. Um, but that is something that is a, a good testament to Bruce's ego. I mean, it, look, all singers have big egos and Bruce is not, is not, is, has been known to have a big ego. I get that. But he's also smart enough to know that, hey, these songs are part of the Iron Maiden legacy, and I am part of that as well. So, you know, kudos Rob, to him. I get, yeah, kudos to him. Rob, a little understanding. You know, he's probably a little butthurt, you know, but I think he should give those songs a chance because they are some good songs. Same thing with, with Joey. I mean, I, I, I've been meaning to say this to you, and we haven't had an Anthrax episode, and we'll probably get to one soon, but... I think Anthrax did themselves a disservice on their 
on their anniversary, or was it the 40th anniversary tour that they did or show that they did? Mm-hmm. They did zero from the John Bush era. And I'm sorry, but the John Bush era was 10 years of their existence. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe even a little bit more. And to sit there and negate, you know, what, four albums worth of material that had a lot of, you know, there was a lot of standout songs. And they don't play any song from 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 the John Bush era, but then on this tour they're doing one song only uh, from and I, one song, the actual song only, only. No, <laughs> one no song pun, only. No, no only. pun intended on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they're doing that one on the tour. So yes, the tour is supposed to be that they're what they're doing, celebrating the 40th anniversary. So I get that, but they should have done it on the anniversary show that they sold to the public. Yeah. You know, the pay-per-view and the one that they've actually put together a DVD and a CD for, that song is missing off it. Any song from the Bush era is missing from it. And I think that's a huge disservice to the Anthrax fans. 100%. But we're talking, we're here to talk about Iron Maiden, uh, Klansman's My Song. What's your song? Uh, so I'm going to go with Future Real. Uh, to me, it sounds Ooh. the most like an Iron Maiden song. Um I do actually like a few other tracks on this album, to be honest. Um, I like um, Educated Fool a little bit. It's not a bad track. And then the, the final one on the album, uh, Como Estas Amigos, um, I think is really a, a great song. Um, I think it's very overlooked, and it probably will remain that way because it's track eight on the second Blaze Bailey album. Um, but... <laughs> but Give it a listen. I think it's an underrated track. Um, but Future Real, to me, again, like you listen to it and it sounds like it's written for Bruce. It sounds like it's written as an Iron Maiden song from the last few albums before this. So uh, I'm actually, I was really impressed by it when it first came out. I didn't even mind that it was not Bruce. But then I heard the Bruce version of the song and I was like, oh, well, damn. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good. It it's definitely in his style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there, there's always those moments when you're listening to a band, and like say for ACDC, you you think about some of the stuff on Back in Black, and you go, that could that should be a Bond song, right? You know, in in your mind maybe. Um, and Future Real feels that way for me for Iron Maiden. I I agree. All right, so what do you have now for the reunion era Iron Maiden, Brave New World? So this one was tougher for me because I, I absolutely love this album. Um, you, you know, it starts off really well. Um, I would say first four or five tracks, just nonstop greatness. Um, it takes a little tiny dip in the middle, but not bad. Like, I don't mean by dip, I mean it goes from a 10 to a 9. And then back up to a ten, um, so, but man, this one was this one was definitely hard. I had to really think about it, and for me, it's the title track, "Brave New World." Um, I could have picked "Ghost of the Navigator," could have picked "Wicker Man," "Blood Brothers," uh, "Nomad," "Out of the Silent Planet." Um, I love all of those tracks, but the epicness of "Brave New World." Um, just the way that it comes across with the build once again um man i just love this al- this album love this track you know there's there is a lot of good stuff to pick off this album i mean it there's definitely 
a lot to love about this album. Um, one of my favorite songs in this album is Blood Brothers. Um, it, it reminds me so much of, of when I when when me and my best friends were hanging out together back in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, Brave New World is absolutely good. Ghost Navigator, um, Out of the Silent Planet, The Nomad. The, the Nomad is so different from a lot of things that they had done and, and they started exploring different kinds of styles of of writing on the guitar that the nomad had a very different sound to it however there is one riff that stands out above the rest to me and that is the wicker man um i hear that intro riff i crank that fucker as loud as i can on my car stereo and everybody gets to hear along with me um you know when they played it on um the Book of Souls tour, I think it was. Um, I was it the Book of Souls tour? No, no, they did it on Legacy the, of the Beast tour. Legacy of the Beast, yeah, yeah. When they did it on there, and, and you know, they put the big, big Wicker Man logo that they that had. That was so uh, cool. Al- album cover. I mean, that song is just so good, and I just to, to hear that riff in concert. You know, uh, it's just I love it. Just the way you know, Nico bangs in with the drums. That, that song, that just intro riff in the drums just makes it such a heavy song, even though, you know, it's not heavy in that regards, but it, it, it's just it's just a, a head-banging song. That's my favorite song on the album. It's still like, yeah, that, uh, that opening riff of the song is just, it's one of those that, like, you just feel that energy about it, you know? You just, like, you could rev your engine to it, you know? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so that brings us to the Dance of Death. Now, we're not going to discuss how bad the album cover is because that's a whole episode by itself. <laughs> and I know that it, it, you get a twitch every time you talk about that album cover. <laughs> it's just but, sad because that's like, that should be a prototype and then you move on from there. But it also, I do want to say one note on it. So there's a lot of artists today that are using this thing called Poser. And Poser is... You, you have 3D models and you compose a character in a certain way and these artists will trace over that. And I, I despise this art that I'm seeing. There's actually a lot of, even a, a famous Batman artist is doing this, this garbage today. And it just, it takes all of the dynamicness out of the imagery. And that's what you see on this album cover. There's no dynamicness and it looks like trash because it's unfinished. And it makes me sad to this day that they haven't like re-released this album, uh, a remastered version with new album cover that looks, you know. I mean, they a, did, a they did a new better. album cover. They did a new album cover for No Prayer for the Dying. Why couldn't they do a new album cover for this one? Right? They need to someday. But but the funny thing about it is, is if they would just take off all those cut and paste clowns and chicks on the front, the the actual background layer, which is supposed to have been the original cover is quite epic in and of itself. Yes, cuz he cuz Eddie looks completely different than all the 3D model characters that look like garbage. <laughs> so, so terrible. Anyway, and so I think it hurts the album too. <laughs> I think it hurts the album because I know people pick that up and they go, "This looks like shit." And they put it down. <laughs> it's a good album. Yeah. Oh no, it's a great album. It's a great album. Um so th- this one for me, picking the best track on this album, this was probably the hardest of all the albums. And I'll tell you why. Because 
it's not that there's so many standout tracks that I got to sit there and say, oh, I have to, you know, pick this song or I, you know, I have to pick this song over that song. It's that in reality, they have, I mean, I'm looking at probably seven good songs on it right off the bat, but each one of them is so distinctly different from the other that it's like, oh yeah, this one's fast and it's powerful, but this one is deep and, and, and thought provoking. And this one is just a great riff and stuff like that. They're all so different. I originally picked Montesquieu for this. This is my favorite because I like the, 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 the subject matter. I like the, the chorus. Um, I love the way, you know, the, just the harmony or the melody of the song. But one song I kept coming back to over and over and over again was Passchendaele. And in the end, Passchendaele is the song that I, 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 I went with because I listened to it again on when I was here. And just to know the story behind it of being, you know, this, this, this wartime story, you know, back in World War II, the Allied forces going up against the German forces and 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 the amount of casualties, I mean, ranging anywhere from four hundred thousand to three quarter of a million um casualties that, that were either injured or 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 killed, there's a sadness to this song that is actually portrayed through the music the way adrian does it and adrian smith when he wrote this song he went out of his way and said i'm gonna write an epic song he doesn't typically write epic songs he writes the short little wicker man kind of songs that just rock but he went out of his way and i mean he created a masterpiece in my opinion the the beauty of this song is how adrian navigated this epicness with delicacy and precision you know as well as having a lot of power and might in it and still having sense it's so weird and still having sensitivity i mean it's it's a perfect song in its writing or nearly perfect in its writing storytelling and execution i mean that's 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 what i think about passion dale no it's it, it is a really good song and again i'm gonna say i really feel like this album is underrated and again the album cover has a lot to do with that. Um, I liked your initial pick, Montsegur. Um, I think that w- that's a really awesome song. The title track, D- Dance of Death, is great. Passchendaele, like you said, is is excellent. Um, I love Gates of Tomorrow. Well, this Dreams is pretty good. It's not it's not the opener I would like on an album from Iron Maiden, but because um, usually their their opener is just bombastic and awesome. But um, for me, it's Rainmaker. Um, that riff and just the the uh, emotion that it it draws out of you, like when you're listening to that song, um, it has a softness, but also like a a. a, a what's the best word like it has a franticness to it but it's somehow soft at the same time and i just i love everything about that track and that to me is hands down my favorite excellent choice i mean i i love this album i mean wildest dreams rainmaker no more no more lies monoscure dance of death the first five songs i mean are excellent you know and you got gates of tomorrow passiondale Age of Innocence. I mean, it's just all those songs on the second side. Maybe not as good as an overall as the first five, but 
it's I mean you put it all together and it's hard to beat that kind of uh, consistency. I I remember getting this after after Brave New World and thinking, man, this was just such an awesome follow up. It, it was. I mean, I, I agree with you. So that brings you to a matter of life and death. All right. So for matter of life and death, I had a few choices I could have done, um, but for me, it's the opening track, "Different World." Uh, I remember when I first heard it, and I had bought the the album, and it had the the patch inside of it. Definitely had that on my jacket. Like just, it was so such a freaking cool um, uh, opening track to the album, and it is a little different than a lot of the stuff that would follow. That has a little bit different tone to it, so I can see how. Um, if even if you're turned off by this album, that that first track probably stands out to a lot of people. Um, but I just love the the vibe that they had here. Um, it was a little bit darker tone, and you know, a, a step in a little bit different direction than those past two albums. But I still really love Matter of Life and Death. Uh, you've expressed some different opinions on that, so I'm interested to hear what your your track is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've had very strong opinions about this album. Um, I can tell you this. So, um, I didn't, when this album came out, I remember I was, I was still in Miami and my, my, my friend LEL came over and he's like, look, the new Iron Maiden album's out. And we listened to it and he was into the reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg. And I just, I sat there and like, I don't get this shit. <laughs> it's just I'm not feeling it, man. And uh, I listened to Different World, and I thought that was, oh, okay, this is cool. This is Iron Maiden, you know. Uh, these colors don't run, yeah, okay, you know. It's it's Iron Maiden ish, you know. And it just for me, it went downhill. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, you know, because of your friendship, your and I's friendship, you know, our friendship. Uh, I I've given this album a heck of a lot more chances than I would have in the past. And especially doing this show, I've given this album a lot more chances. And I can say this, it has definitely grown on me. Um, Still probably not my, you know, it's probably the least favorite of the Bruce albums from any of the two eras. But and that, that tells you something because I, you know, Fear the Dark is is not up there, and nowhere, and no prayer for the dying. So they're all like hang out together at the bottom. <laughs> um, so it, you know, listening to it, I can tell you right now, the reincarnation of Benjamin Brieg is not my favorite track on this album. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, I have listened to that, and you know, and you tell me, oh no, you gotta give it a chance. And I sat and listened to it, and I just. I, I don't. You gave it a chance. It. I, I give you I credit for that. I gave it a chance. I, I listened to it. I'm like, you know what? I, I just can't. Um, I, I don't. There's just something about it that just doesn't click with me. I don't know why. But there are a bunch of other songs. I mean, A Different World is, is uh, like I said, you know, These Colors Don't Run has, has, has definitely grown on me. It, it was never bad for me. It was like those two songs were the only songs I would listen to. But Brighter Than a Thousand Suns, I, I love the story behind it. Um, but the Pilgrim is the one I went with. That is my favorite track on this album. Um, it's just 
the upbeatness of this of the song. Um, I know uh, I I actually watched a predominant amount of the documentary that came out at the time of this album. Um, I watched it today, in fact, <laughs> um, I, and that was one. That's one of the few things I could tell you. Iron Maiden has never done an album or making of documentary before, and I don't think they have done anything since in that regards. Mm-hmm. And it it is one of these things where it's cool to get that inside look into the, into the the making of of an album. And this one happened to be unique, where they actually recorded and mixed and finalized the song, and then went on to the next song. They didn't do it as a group of songs, as one album, and then mix them at the end together. They they literally finished song for song for song for song until they were done with the the ten songs that they had. Interesting. Which is a definitely a different way yeah, of recording. That's de- definitely um, different. Learned in the documentary that that uh, Nico and Steve did not have a fight. They said they had a fight every single album until this one. So that's an, another interesting story. <laughs> and I also learned that the Pilgrim was written about. Um, the group of people that came over from England to America on the Mayflower. Now, a lot of people might disagree with that, and, and it was from the, the mouth of Steve Harris. He said that, but he also had it kind of like, it's that kind of story where the, the people are looking for, and specifically religious people, are looking for an escape to get away from what they were at before. So some people... Uh, put it with the crusades um the mayflower you know basically people escaping religious persecution okay for the most part that is pretty much the predominant theme behind the song and i thought it was a pretty cool track so that that's my favorite i can i can understand it's a good track it's it has a really cool riff um and it's kind of quickly paced you know it's it's yeah. a little bit faster than a lot of the stuff that's on that album so i can see why it would stand out to you yeah, I mean, look, the, it's got a heavy drum beat. It's got some really cool, like, I, I call them old English harmonies that Maiden are famous for. They had it in Dance of Death. They have it in a couple other songs that I can't really pick off the top of my head. But they have these, something that's like traditional English or Irish or Scottish kind of folk songs. They they, they take these little notes it and, and bits and pieces of those songs and they turn it into a cool harmony that they play on the guitars. I think that's a cool thing about Iron Maiden. So that's part of this song, you know, and, you know, so yeah, the quicker pace. So it's, uh, what did I say here? It is, it harkens back to an older style for Maiden, but at the same time, keeping up with a lot of the modern progressive tactics that Maiden uses in their reunion era band. So that's, that's how I felt about this song. So anyhow, we move on to the final frontier. And for me, this probably, because I kept trying to give a matter of life and death so many chances when I first listened to it, I would venture to say that the final frontier is probably my least listened to Iron Maiden album. So I don't know a lot about front to back what this album contains per se. I've listened to all the songs before, but not on any regular basis. But I can say this because they, um, Iron Maiden, uh, they did it on the Envivo album. They separated Satellite 15 from the Final Frontier. I went ahead and I went ahead, ripped my CD, and I turned those two tracks, 
into two tracks. Well, it's one track on the CD. It turned into two tracks. Now I feel so much better about it <laughs> that the Final Frontier is my favorite song in this album. Because <laughs> I get to listen to just the Final Frontier. Yeah, I wish they had separated it, to be honest. And I and I get that that's Iron Maiden's thing. But they, they call it two different songs, right? Don't they? Or is it... it- it's yeah. It's satellite fifteen is the first four minutes, and then the final, and then the final frontier. frontier is the last four so minutes. So why not just make it two different tracks? I don't. They did on Envivo. Yeah. So. Um, that, and that's the reason why I like it because I'm, I can go straight to the drum beat, boom, pa, and go into the song. <laughs> you know, I don't have to worry about the. I don't have to hear that shit. You know, it's funny. This album was one that I also overlooked for a long time, but I, you kind of mentioned that it was better than, than, uh, I thought it was, I guess. Um, so it kind of went under the radar for me for a long time, but, um, I have given it more of a chance since, and my, my favorite is the alchemist. Um, I just like the pacing of it. It feels like an older Iron Maiden song. Like I can see it sitting right in with some of those earlier albums um which was a nice kind of pleasant surprise because you know they've kind of changed their style and even though the recording style is a little different and they've got three guitarists uh, it's it's still easily one of those that fits in that era so i i really like the alchemist the alchemist was my other choice because that's the other one i listened to a lot on this album but just something about the whole the the riffing and the start stop of this of of the final frontier, you know, they, Maiden doesn't do that too often. Yeah, um, and and that's part of the reason why it caught my attention. And so, being able to separate it the way I did, so I could just listen to that song, it it's so much more pleasant to just sit there and not have to you know, try to figure out where the song is and slide it over with my finger on the phone, you know, or you know on the CD kind of push the fast forward button until you get to four and a half minutes. So I just, now it's just a track. So it's cool. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right. uh, So you picked um, the alchemist. So it's your turn to pick a song, your favorite track on the book of souls. So for me, this, this also really wasn't that hard, but I do love a lot of the songs on this album. Um, But for me, if eternity should fail, is is such a cool song i i love the way it it starts i i love the main riff um and the chorus itself um bruce is singing you know it's very passionate maybe because it's a song that he wrote um but yeah it just it really stands out to me and it kind of eclipses a lot of the other tracks on the album although uh, what's what's the final track called um uh, Empire, Empire of, the of the Clouds is another really good one on there. Um, but I think it, If Eternity Should Fail just stands out just a little more for me. I, I get that. And for me, it's the same song. Um, we have not agreed on a lot of songs tonight, which is pretty cool. Um, but this is one that uh, we I definitely agree with you on. It stands out above the rest. Um, Steve stole the song from Bruce. He said, "No, we're going to use this for Iron Maiden," <laughs> and because uh, it was it was Bruce's, it was part of Bruce's solo project that he was working on. And so, you know, Steve says, "Hey, what do you have a song that we can use?" Yeah, listen to these. Oh no, we're taking this one. So, <laughs> you know, um, but it's great. It's a great song. I mean, like you said, chorus 
solo harmony, all this stuff, and then the the little stop at the in the middle of the song where he just goes into this fast portion and then it comes back down to the original speed. I, I I love this song. I mean, and it and it sets the tone for the album. You know, there's a lot to like on this album. You know, the red and the black when the r- river runs deep, the book of souls. Um, Tears of a Clown, the song written about Robin Williams. Um, oh I mean, there's man, a, there's yeah, a little, that's a, that was a good one too. Yeah, and that's, there's a little bit of sadness to that song that you feel, you know, because you know it's about Robin Williams. Um, but you know, Empire of the Clouds, epic song. Um, that's and it's funny because that's probably the one I listen to the least because you you know it's 18 minutes. You know, how often do you have time to listen to the whole song? <laughs> you know, um, Speed of Light traditional style maiden song you know so there's there's a lot of good tracks on this one um so that's gonna bring us to the final album from iron maiden and or not final but the most recent because i think they got a couple of albums still left in them although they got to speed it up this every five six year <laughs> shit is not is not fucking flying <laughs> so and that, that goes the same thing with, with metallica you know um this eight years in between albums has got to stop. But for Sinjutsu, um, man, let me tell you, uh, and you, I know you're going to agree with me on this. Sinjutsu is just amazing. Um, it's, it's hard to sit there and say that there's a bad song in the album, you know, but this, the, the album has got such diversity to it that it's, it's really hard to pick a, a, a song and sit there and say, yeah, this one's the best because there's so many different things going on. You know, Sinjutsu is, is something that Maiden had never done before, that whole tribal rhythm thing. You know, Stratego is almost kind of like in the style of, of a typical Maiden thing. Writing on the wall, they've never done anything that sounds kind of westerny like that, but yet very cool. And for me, I, I was trying to, to sit there and really, really want to make death of the, the of the Celts the clansman part two and there's so much that is similar to it but I, I was just kind of pushing it and like it's just it didn't get there um but in the end for me my favorite track on this album is days of future past um I I, I was gonna pick that or the time machine or hell on earth hell on earth is just amazing Stratego's good but I chose days of future past it has that Asian inspired guitar work to it and and it's one of the few songs that doesn't have a slow guitar intro or a slow build it's it it kind of doesn't hit right away but it it's one of those songs that doesn't have that long two minute build to it so okay I I do like that track, and we we actually did a full album review of this one when it came out. Um, but for me, it's Hell on Earth. Hell on Earth is is just it has this epic build to it, and I love the chorus. I love everything about the song. Um, I, I for the like the first month when this track or this album came out, I just couldn't stop listening to this song. And I keep I keep going back to it on a regular basis. I think it's become one of those that it's definitely in my my you know top twenty at least. I may be in top ten for Iron Maiden. Um, man, what a great track! I agree with you. It's a great track. Uh, I mean, this this whole album is just so oddly great. You know, it's it's really. It, it's one of these things where it's hard to pinpoint where the greatness is because it's all over. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and they really did a good job of, of really diversifying the greatness throughout this album. You know, it's very hard to pick a bad song on this album. And, and there isn't a bad song, but you know, it, it's, uh, it's hard. It's so weird how good this album is. You know, I, I'm sure there's people out there saying, well, what, what are you talking about? You know, cause they can't get past the first two minutes of, you know, three songs that are more than 10 minutes long each. <laughs> Because it's the same. Look, I mean, think about it. The first two minutes of of Death of the Celts, first two minutes of the Parchment, the first two minutes of Hell on Earth. It's it is a slow, slow, quiet build. But once it hits, it's a completely different song, and it makes it makes up for you having to wait those two minutes. The Parchment, it's it's so it's such a unique song, and uh, you know I've heard interviews where Nico is saying that's his favorite song on the album. Now, I disagree, but, you know. I like the parchment a lot, though. I, th- I think I remember right. you saying you weren't that big of a fan of it, but. And not at first, but I, I became a bigger fan. You know, it's grown on, on me, you. for sure. Yeah. I mean, this whole album's grown on me. It's just one of these things that's just kind of like a fungus. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> anyway. like, like a mushroom or like, <laughs> yeah like and a good a mushroom good, a good fungus that grows on you I, I, <laughs> oh man uh that was that was awesome that's a great uh great list from your part great list from my part um i'm surprised like last week with acdc we had a lot of of duplicates but you know in this particular case we had hollow be thy name wasted years uh, believe the evil that men do, fear of the dark, and if eternity and should then, fail, that's it. And if eternity should fail, so yeah, that's a pretty good, uh, diverse list. I like it. All right, well, that brings us to the um, ten thousand word titled Big Four <laughs> for tonight. <laughs> it is the Big Four Iron Maiden songs that have no songwriting involvement by Steve Harris. I I might um, have simplified <laughs> it to non-Harris pen tracks, but. You know, go with the longer one. It's funnier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, non, yeah. So I get that. Uh, all right. So I started off the show first. So why don't you go ahead and start off on the, the big four? All right. Um, my number four we just mentioned recently is If Eternity Should Fail. This one was written by Bruce Dickinson, like we mentioned. Um, awesome track. Really just uh, one of those that, that like sticks with you. Great way to start the album and just has that Bruce energy, you know, like the a lot of the stuff he does with his solo work has that same kind of energy. I mentioned it with Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Um, you know, it's it's one of those that like has it has a different feel to it, but still feels maiden. So I really like that track. Uh, my number three, I think you had on your list is Revelations. Uh, Revelations by Bruce Dickinson again. Uh, really good song off of um, uh, Peace of Mind. Um, one that when I saw live, I even liked more than I did before. And uh, it's just awesome track. Uh, my number two is Flight of Icarus. I picked that earlier when we were talking about um, uh, Power Slave. And not Power Slave. Um, Peace, Peace of Mind. Peace of Mind. Yeah. Uh, I picked that earlier when we were talking about peace of mind and um, it's 
I again, I'm just a, a huge mark for Greek mythology, and when I hear songs about it, and they have this much passion, and they have such an awesome riff, it's hard for me not to love a song like that. And uh, Flight of Icarus is by uh, Bruce Dickinson and uh, Adrian Smith. And then my number one is an Adrian Smith pin track, which is uh, Wasted Years. Um, like I said, I'm a huge fan of that album. Uh, that particular song stands out to me, and it just, it, it's hard for me not to pick it when I also picked it as my favorite song of that album. Exactly. I, I had the similar, um, similar vibes that I had to go and, and pick different songs from an album that, I'm like, I can't make it my least favorite <laughs> type of thing, or, or it can't be, it has to be that song from that's my favorite from that album. Otherwise you know, I'm making a mistake. Mm-hmm. However, um, there was a couple of caveats that we, um, threw in there, which is it couldn't have any songwriting involvement from Steve Harris. So my original, what I talked to you about was all oh, this do, you know, songs that Bruce Dickinson wrote, but Bruce Dickinson's only written a handful, I think five, by himself completely. Most of the other stuff he's done with Adrian Smith. But in recent years, he's done a lot of stuff with Adrian Smith and Steve Harris. And that has thrown things for, or threw me for a loop for a bit. So I ended up picking a lot of songs that were just Bruce Dickinson. Okay. Um, so um, for me, the first song that I picked was If Eternity Should Fail. So that's my number four, uh, just like your number four. Uh, we, we just spoke about the song, so there's no need to, to regurgitate all that information. Just a great song. Um, for number three for me, though, is Moonchild from Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. So that was written by Adrian Smith and Bruce Dickinson. Um, it was the first song on the album, and it's one of these things that has that very similar to If Eternity Should, Should Fail, very slow, quiet intro, and, and Moonchild has that acoustic guitar that comes in, and he tells his little story that, that he tells, and at the end, he ends with the same story, you know? Um, so that was really cool, uh, but it was not a, a solo piece from Bruce. But that's okay. That wasn't the caveat. Uh, number two for me is Power Slave. Um, that's just a cool song because Harris wrote Rhyme on the Ancient Mariner. I couldn't pick that song. So I, I, I was picking songs not by Harris. And Power Slave, I, I love that song. Uh, and I didn't like it at first. I, there was something about it. I don't know if it was the creepiness of the intro or what, but... Over time, it's one of those songs that grew and grew to become one of my favorites. And it's like, you know what? This is a really cool track. I, I really re- begun to appreciate it. And then a few years back, Testament did an amazing cover version of that song with uh, Gene Oglin on drums. And it, the, the drum work that he does in that song is so good. I mean, it, it really just changed the, the, the way the song is, the way I perceive the song. And then with uh, Chuck Billy and the way he sings it. It's so freaking cool. It, it can be found on Dark Roots of Earth Deluxe Edition. Pick it up if you get a chance. Um, and number one for me was your number three, which was Revelations. Um, I just love that song. I mean, there's so much to like about it and, and very similar to what we were talking about with Final Frontier. It's got that start-stop thing about it a little bit, but it's not with the words. It's with just the riffing in between. 
So it's a, it's a cool, cool song. And you said yourself that it's a song that's grown on you and you like it better since the, you saw the live version on the Legacy of the Beast. It's a great song. Absolutely. Um, that's a good list. I, I honestly had forgotten that Power Slave was a Bruce Dickinson song. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think I would have changed my list, maybe, but I, I still think I'm happy with my list. Good, good. I, I, I'm, I'm happy with mine. I, I like yours a lot, so it, it, I think this was a good discussion of Iron Maiden songs. All right, well, that's our big four Iron Maiden songs with no Steve Harris involvement, and <laughs> that's the end of this week's show. You know the drill. Click like, subscribe, or download uh, the episode to your favorite device. Do it for yourself. Do it for us. Do it because it'll make you feel good. <laughs> and don't forget to leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. YouTube viewers, click subscribe and ring that bell to be notified when we post a new episode. So tune in to next week when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11. See ya.